Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. From the Apostrophe Podcast Network. Hello, everybody. You're surviving life with Les Stroud. Clean air, clean water, clean soil. Is there anyone listening right now that would make a case that we don't need air to live, or that we don't need water to live, or that we don't need the system of the soil, the earth, to feed us to live? If you're thinking that, well, first you should seek psychological help, but second, then you might as well stop listening to this podcast. Listen, I saw the posts, the vitriolic ramblings, because I interviewed David Suzuki. Small-minded little quips by people who just spout off at the mouth without truly listening to someone. They judge a book by its cover, make assumptions of hypocrisy, and pass ill-conceived, subjective, biased, unintelligent judgments. So this is part two of my conversation with David Suzuki. And the reality is that if you think wanting clean air water, and soil for your sons and daughters and for their sons and daughters is somehow wrong, then I get why he upsets you. But you're not an idiot, clearly, because you're listening to this podcast. And so hear me when I say all David truly wants is a healthy planet for his grandchildren to grow up on. Don't you want that? These are the words of David Suzuki. Can we not move in a different way without these kind of hammers in, over the head? And I think children are it. Lie down on the ground Kiss the earth and all the souls within Sit down on the ground We are in a major extinction crisis where a million species of plants and animals are now in danger of going extinct. The next day, Harry and Meghan had a baby, and what went extinct was a report on extinction. Like, what the hell? Uh, You know, the media have a huge role to play here, and they're not playing the role that they should be. We set up a political system to manage human affairs. Now, we have a minister of the environment. We have a minister of forests. We have a minister of fisheries and oceans, a minister of agriculture. Do you think the highest priority of those ministers is protecting the environment, protecting fish or the oceans or forests? 
or the soil? Hell no. It's all about protecting the people that want to exploit them. The protection of those things is certainly not their highest priority because their very existence as politicians depends on people voting for them. The forest can't vote. The fish can't vote. They have no ability to influence these people. But because we think we're at the center of the action, we don't give a shit what, what happens to them. It's about the people that want to use those fish or those trees. I kind of want to ask you sort of bluntly, so what's your point? What's your goal? What is your goal? Well, we've got to live within the natural boundaries of the systems that keep us alive and healthy. People think, oh, well, you know, the air is getting bad. We'll just build a dome around cities. And you look at any science fiction, it's, this is the idea. And, oh, we're going to build platforms out in the ocean. And then when that gets too difficult, we'll build cities under the ocean like Atlantis. Like, give me a frickin' break. Four years ago, I've been fighting the tar sands for years. I get a call from the the CEO of one of the largest oil companies in the tar sands. Could I come and talk to you? I said, of course. I'm not into fighting. I'd be delighted to see it. The next day he shows up and I thanked him and said how honored I was. And I said, but before you come in my office, I would really like you to do me a favor. If you could leave your identity as the CEO of an oil company outside. I said, I want to meet you as one human being with another. And I want to see what we agree on first. Because I don't see the point meeting like this and talking about oil and greenhouse gases and the economy if we don't start from a platform of agreement. If we don't do that, we're all over the bloody thing and we're not even talking to each other. He was not happy. That's not why he came down. He came down to... But he was a good man and to his credit, he came in. So I sat him down. I said, Mr. CEO, I know this is not what you expected. But I said, the reality is we live in a world that is shaped and constrained by laws of nature. And we have to live within that. I said, in physics, you know we can't build a rocket that will travel faster than the speed of light. The law of gravity says if I trip, I'm going to fall. First and second law of thermodynamics say we can't build a perpetual motion machine. These are all dictated by the laws of physics. Chemistry, it's the same. The atomic property of the elements determine the the freezing point, the melting point, the boiling point, the reaction rates, diffusion constants. All of that stuff is built into the property of the, the atoms, and chemists live within that. They can't build anything that they think, oh, I could make a molecule like this. No, you live within the constraints of chemistry. And biology, it's the same. Every species of plant and animal has a maximum number that can be reached, and beyond that, your population will crash. That's determined by the carrying capacity of an ecosystem. Now, we don't live within a single ecosystem or habitat because we're smart, and we find ways to live in many. But the biosphere the zone of air, water, and land where all life exists, is our habitat, and there are limits. The number that can be supported is determined by both how many of us there are and how much we use per person. And when you apply that, of course, it's the rich countries that are by far overpopulated. Mm -hmm. And so, So what did he say? Well, he said he understood that. Then I'm going on. He's listening. I'm telling him, right? And every scientist I've talked to agrees with me. We're so far past the carrying capacity of the biosphere. And we're maintaining the illusion everything's all right by using up what our grandchildren should be able to enjoy. We're using up the future for our children. And that's what Greta is all about. And then I said, you and I, we're animals. 
Boy, he did not like that. And that shocked me, you know, that I remember Paul Ehrlich telling this story of a woman when Paul said, Paul Ehrlich is an ecologist and said, we're, we're animals. And this woman got up and said, don't call my daughter an animal. And he said, madam, if your daughter isn't an animal, she must be a plant because biology tells you you're an animal or you're a plant. Anyway, so I said, Mr. CEO, as an animal, what do you think is the most important thing that we need? And instead of giving me the answer right away, he goes, well, uh, and I can see right away he's thinking money, a job. I said, Mr. CEO, if you don't have air for three minutes, you're dead. If you have to breathe polluted air, you're sick. So please, do you not agree with me? Clean air is our highest priority. And we have a responsibility since that clean air affects plants and animals around the world. We've got a responsibility to keep it clean to protect that air. And then I said, you and I, we're 60 to 70% water by weight, but we leak the water out of our bodies. I said, if you don't have water for four to six days, you're dead. Polluted water, you're sick. So clean water is like clean air. And then I said, we're created out of the soil because most of our food comes from the soil. So clean food and soil, and then all of the energy in our bodies, all of the energy in your, Mr. CEO, your activity is sunlight captured by plants and photosynthesis. Then we get it and store it in our bodies. So I said, these are what indigenous people call earth, air, fire, and water. These are the four basic elements on which we depend. And I said, the miracle is that these four elements are cleansed and replenished by the web of living things. Here in Vancouver, we get our water from three watersheds surrounded by old growth forest. And you don't have to do anything. The tree roots, other plants, soil, fungi, bacteria, microorganisms filter that water for us and you can drink it. Did you see his eyes glassing over when you... Well, no, he, I could mine see... Mine aren't, but, but I could see his. He's going, what the hell am I talking to? I find that the amazing thing, that life... You remember the, sh the movie The Martian? Mm -hmm. And Matt Damon stranded with a year's worth of potatoes, and he's got to wait four years. So where is there any soil to grow his potatoes? Lots of sand and dust and, and gravel. But soil is created by life. So he had to dig a hole in the sand and put poop in it. Then you can grow. You know, life creates the very elements that we need. So I said, this to me is the foundation of any human being is earth, air, fire, and water and a diversity of other living things that cleanse those elements for us. I said, if you would shake hands with me and agree with me, I will do everything I can to help you and your company. Now, what do you think he did? If he went back to his shareholders and said, I had a talk with Suzuki and he's right, whatever our company, this oil company, whatever our company does, we can't mess with the air, water, and soil. He wouldn't get the company to change directions. He'd be fired. That's not his job. His job is to make money. The faster and the more, the better. That's his job. He was a good man. But he couldn't shake hands with me. How do we spike into that process in somebody's mind where they just, as I said, I can picture his eyes glassing over. You say they didn't, but his, maybe his brain glassed over, or at least as you said, he's going into a, whoa, 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 I'm thinking all the things I've got to say to my shareholders and I'm not going to say it. So at it's some point problem. he's shaking your hand goodbye is what yeah, he's yeah. doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I never heard from him again. 
Now, the problem is, he, he was a good man. You know, he went to church every Sunday and he loved going camping with his kids. He's locked in a game that is fixed. The game says making money is what we're all about. Corporate agenda is making money. And so in order to play the game, you have to play by the rules, right? The rules set by the economy. And it's the same thing in the judicial system. I look at what indigenous people are trying to do now. They've got to sue the government all the time, use the legal system to get their rights. It's fixed against them. Trees don't have any right. It's people that want to use a tree that then have to fight for their right. And of course, the big elephant in the room is the economy is just based on cancer cells. Well, you can talk about a green economy and, and we've got to have clean technology and all that stuff. But it's still within an economic system that has to keep growing. And nothing in a finite world can grow indefinitely. So that you talk about what do we need to break out? I'm sorry, revolution. The revolution must not be a violent revolution because it's always the innocent people that get killed in that kind of a revolution. But it's got to be a revolution in your the way you see the world. Now, I know that Saul, on his way to Damascus, suddenly was knocked off a horse when he had an epiphany. And that people can certainly change. Can we not move in a different way without these kind of hammers over the head? And I think... Children are it. Correct me if I got this wrong, but you know how rumors go and you hear one thing and you hear another. So I heard, quote unquote, David Suzuki has said, you know, I feel like a 45-year failure. Is that a real quote? Yeah. Why? Well, it's. I feel that success for me is not measured in how many people listen to me or agree with me. It's, have we changed our ways? That's all I'm asking is that we change our priorities, particularly uh, from government, because we elect them to look out for our future. And I certainly don't see that I've had any impact. Uh, I'm not so conceited that I think I'm the one that's going to change it, but I have contributed a huge part of my life to trying to make change, as have millions of other people. It hasn't changed the game. And we're not going to get out of it without a revolution. Now, let's see whether 500,000 people marching in Montreal, 80,000 people marching in Vancouver is going to have any impact. I suspect it's not. Well, this is exactly what I, actually what I said to George, to Strombo. I, sa I said, you know, he, he argued that he thinks the next revolution will be this kind of war for the Arctic waters. And, and I said, no, I don't think so. I think the next revolution will be the environmental one, and it'll be an uprising from country to country. It won't be just about the Arctic waters. It'll be every country on the planet will have its share of youth uprising. Yeah, I mean, it's about the biosphere that keeps us healthy and alive. For Christ's sake, what's it going to take for us to see that? You know, that... So the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change in October released a report that was really shocking. It said that if you allow temperature to rise above 1.5, all hell breaks loose, climate chaos ensues. We're already over one degree rise. We've got half a degree left. So they called for a very rapid elimination of greenhouse gases. One day after that article came out, and it was not a front page banner headlines, we've got 12 years to blah, 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 nothing like that. It was on the third page, I think, of our national newspaper. The next day, Canada legalized marijuana. 
And guess what dominated the pages for a week after that? So the statement that we are heading towards a three to four degree rise, and we have to get that down to one and a half or hell breaks loose, was a one day wonder. And it wasn't even a front page wonder. In May of 2019, the United Nations released the most comprehensive report on species on the planet and said, we are in a major extinction crisis where a million species of plants and animals are now in danger of going extinct. The next day, Harry and Meghan had a baby, and what went extinct was a report on extinction. Like, what the hell? Uh, you know, the media have a huge role to play here, and they're not playing the role that they should be. Every day, there's a report of the Dow Jones average, the value of a loonie, all these economic indicators come on every day, on every program, television, print. But where is there a daily record of how many species have gone extinct today? How many thousands of acres of forest have disappeared? How many millions of, or thousands of, of uh, pounds of DDT have been sent into the atmosphere? Those are the indicators that we ought to be paying attention to every single day. Available right now on Spotify and Apple Music and iTunes and all the rest, but also being re-released this year on vinyl. This is from my album, Mother Earth. This is the song, Into the Wind.
sunrise I will greet the day with open eyes Hold me in the sun Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're surviving life with Les Stroud. So you're talking right now. Let's let's make an assumption here. We we have social media. We have this podcast. We have people who listen here and there. So someone's at home listening to us right now because they like Les Stroud, Survivor Man, because he builds shelters. But now he's got a podcast and they're listening. And this guy likes to go fishing and hunting. But they're they want to do what they should do. So what do you say? And I'm asking this for me, really. You know, everybody. What do we do? Everybody is asking that. David, yeah. what is there a magic bullet? What can I do? Oh, there, there is no magic bullet. There, well, they're saying, what is the most effective thing I can do? To me, the most effective thing right now is Canada is heading into an election that is, in my lifetime, the most important election of my lifetime. And if we haven't made climate the number one issue, then after the election, we're going to have all kinds of quibbling over, oh, the carbon tax will destroy the economy, and uh, what about the workers in this field, and uh, what do we do about Alberta? For God's sakes, let's all join together. We're in a war now. This is a climate emergency. And if we don't get, and that's why I'm putting all my effort now, and uh, with Stephen Lewis, who is, I think, Canada's national treasure, who's had a, a, just an incredible track record of, of uh, caring about Canada and about uh, the world. Stephen and I are we're doing a tour of five cities to say climate change is not a partisan issue. Yeah. 
It's crazy to, to act as if, oh, well, this is a green issue and we know the conservatives care more about it. I mean, we've got a party running now that, that even denies the reality of climate change. Like, what the hell? We've, if we don't emerge from this election saying, look, this is the issue. We've all got to work together. And then what you say is, okay, the conservatives, you guys are experts on the economy. Let's work out the economic aspects of reducing our emissions and you the ndp you're concerned about social justice equity those great well help us design so they've got to work together with their areas of expertise but all with the common target of reducing rapidly emissions we've got to get get rid of half of our emissions by 2030 that's a very short time vote strategically I voted for the first and only time for the Liberals strategically in the last election because I wanted to register. I didn't want the, the Conservative government back in. I'll never do that again. But I think that we should vote on the basis of which candidate in my riding says climate is the top of the agenda. That's the most important thing now. The critical element now is to make a commitment to place. And then you, this is what the indigenous involvement is all about. They have deep roots that go into place. When you have roots that go down, then sustainability of that, if you intend to pass it on to your children and grand... I've lived in this house for 45 years. And I wanted to... Pass, my wife's mom and dad came and moved in when he retired. Never knew he'd live as long as he did. Uh, they lived with us until he died at home at 94. His wife died three years later at 97. And they died at home with family around, which is the way I want to die. And we had then, my youngest daughter had twins. She came and, and lived where grandma and granddad lived. And they lived with us for two years as we helped her take care of the twins. This is my home. This is not my, a piece of real estate or property. This is my home. And I've only lived here for 45 years. You start thinking about indigenous people whose roots, whose bones go back thousands of years. Very different attitude towards. You've said two things here that are filled with fire inside them. That's, that's both revolution and war, which I suppose it kind of goes hand in hand. Which is it in terms of how things move forward from here for the youth? A war is a different perspective, a different approach to take than a revolution. Yeah. So a war, a war metaphor I use simply to indicate that there's, you can't put it off. You can't say it's going to cost too much. When Japan attacked Pearl Harbor, no one accused Franklin Roosevelt of embarking on a plan to destroy the economy. You didn't hear Republicans say, see those damn Democrats, they're going to get us into a mess. Wait a minute now, we better think about it. No, everybody joined together. That's why I use a war metaphor. You've got no choice and everybody has to work together. When you're in a war, you don't know what the solutions are. You just know you've got to win, that's all. They set up 22, what do you call them, these governments set up organizations, they set up 22 of them to deal with various aspects. People grew victory gardens. People invested in our war bonds. We did all kinds of things. The productivity, women came into the labor force and began to work like mad in factories because the men were being recruited for the war. Uh, they pumped out battleships, planes, and tanks on a scale nobody imagined was possible. 
And that was all because we were at war and you had no choice. And that's what we need to do. We don't have time to sit around and go, oh, well, you know, what's the effect going to be on jo We've got to win this war. See, that feeds right into what, what's been rolling on my, my brain as far as we don't have time to sit around and hang our towels in the hotel rooms and say, I've done my part. You don't appear to me to be on the side of, shall I say, the soft touch with this. My personality doesn't usually allow me to be on the soft touch, so I can be criticized for not being sensitive enough. Tonight, I'm, I'm performing a song, and, I, and they thought I was gonna actually show my video with it. The song's called One Giant Farm, and I dedicated it to Rob Stewart and Sherrick Water. Uh, uh, he and I were very good friends. The song's imagery shows shark finning, whale slaughter, dolphin captivity. It speaks out against all of that. Now, I got the email two days ago, Les, we need to chat with you about the video where, you know, we want to be, stay on point with the message. And I, I said, okay, I know, you, you, it's a little too disturbing. You don't want it because I'm, my point what, what of the video was- What were they was, afraid? What were they exactly, afraid Exactly. I'm like, what are you afraid? What are you, I thought that's why we're doing this. Are a lot this, of the, uh, the contributors Chinese? I have no idea. But they I, were, I think they're afraid because there's blood in the video when you, and to me, I'm saying, you want to know what shark finning looks like? This is what it looks like. Don't turn away. Even the lyrics of the songs, they don't stand there, don't turn away. And I value that from you. The, the la it's not that you're insensitive. It's not that you're inarticulate or not. Um, uh, no, you're saying you it like it is. It's saying it like it is, exactly. And we've got too many devices to turn away. Oh, it might frighten the children. You can't depress people that they'll stop doing anything. No, no, we got to face the reality. This is what I've been told all my life. That's too depressing. We can't broadcast that. People will really turn off it. I'm going, how can you ever confront the crisis if you don't see it right in your eyeballs and see what's going on? I can tell you, David, you know, with that earlier discussion about the 45-year legacy of yours and with your uh, uh, desire to say it like it is, like, because there was David Suzuki, doom and gloom science, here we go again. But I was someone at home going, no, I want to, what's he saying? I want to, I'm like that. That I want to see, I, wanna, I don't want to be ignorantly bliss. I can't stand the ignorance is bliss sort of genre of living. I need to know and I want to know. And I feel like you absolutely value the realistic, say it like it is approach rather than the soft touch. Yeah, but I've been always constrained. I met uh, David, my big hero is uh, David Attenborough, who's done the most, a lifetime of, of showing us what nature is all about. But I met him when he came through on a book tour in the 1990s. I was all kind of agog, and I got up and he signed my book. To my amazement, he knew about the nature of things. But I said, you know, a lot of the species that you've shown so beautifully on film, probably by the time the film ran, were either already gone or really in danger of extinction. Don't you think that you should have pointed this out? And his answer blew me away. He said, well, we found whenever we get into an environmental discussion, our ratings drop. But look at him now. I know. It's exactly what he's doing he now. He got called out. He got called out by George Bombio, who is, to me, the, the columnist I value most in this whole issue. And George just said, he's probably done more harm than good by giving you the illusion, oh, look at these beautiful things that now we know all about them. But meanwhile, the forces driving them to extinction are going on because there was never that. So George wrote a pretty tough article and right after that, Adbra started coming out. It was our big brains that made the big machines that did this mess. 
our big brains and our big machines can fix this mess. You talked about the image of the bubble over the city. Uh, Blade, Blade Runner scares the yeah. crap out of me. It scares the shit out of me. But, well, at least in Star Wars, they had lots of vast tracts of land, a beautiful forest. So in that crazy sci-fi world, somebody figured out we need to keep all of that so Yoda can live there. So I'm actually at this place. And, and I remember having dinner with Robert Bateman and he said, David and I are not getting any younger. <laughs> and Stroud, you've got this platform. You're that guy. So, and this is my, my process is saying, you know what? I'm not going to go down going, ah, it's hell in the handbag. I think sometimes you say it's hell in a handbag. In fact, I think another quote is we're driving towards a wall and we're pressing on the gas. But I don't think you live hell in the handbag. You say it, but then you don't say it. You say, you know what? We're doing all these fucking shitty things, but God damn it, we have big brains and we have big machines. Let's, let's fix it. We can fix it. I have grandchildren. Well, I don't know whether we can fix it, but I think that we can try to give nature a hand at fixing it. The biggest run of sockeye salmon in the world is in the Fraser River. Now, pre-European contact, we think that the runs were in the order of 130 million sockeye would come back, which is a number so staggering I can't even imagine. After we came and we had a big landslide in the, uh, in the, phrase, in the valley, then if a run came back 30, 35 million, that was a good run. In 2008, we got just over 1 million. And I remember turning to Tara and saying, that's it. There isn't the biomass to get up to the spawning grounds. They're toast. They're, they're done. The next year, we got the biggest run in 100 years. <laughs> Nobody knows what happened. But nature shocked us. This is my hope, is we don't know enough to say it's too late. If we can give nature a chance, nature's power and resilience could be very generous, more generous than we deserve. We're living at such a level beyond anything that you'd call the necessities in life. And people discover sand dunes are great. Oh, great, sand dunes. Oh, I can make a machine that will, will ski down sand dunes. And everything, we're extreme sports. We're pushing the edge all the time. It's all about us and getting, giving us our kicks. God damn it. Let's rein in this creature that is so destructive and so self-important that it feels it's got to be uh, able to be thrilled and enjoy all these things. No, nature demands one thing, and that is time. If you want to see nature and experience nature, you got to give her time. And we're a very impatient animal. We don't, we don't have the time to do that. Even when they go out with less drought and experience nature, it may be three hours and then... Oh, sorry, time's up. Got to get back to... Da, da, da. We don't take the time. I've been a believer for a long time that when you create or when you say, or when you put out the energy, put out the message, that in a lot of circumstances, we don't know where that's going to go from there. If you write, you know, write a book, write a song, do a film, speak, say a word, these, this energy goes out and I, I remember your, I actually modeled programs after your, your, the, the Suzuki camps and, and um, the Discovery camps from the book you did many years ago, actually. But I feel that it's very hard to quantify and to know what that guy did who came out for three hours. This is know. a very good point. This is a very good point. You're absolutely right. We, we don't know the impact that we're going to have. And here's where, what lets me cling to the notion that I have had an impact. I've been given this incredible gift 
from the CBC, which has been a platform to get my ideas out to the Canadian public over a long time. This is my 40th season with The Nature of Things. Next year will be the 60th season of The Nature of Things. So there's been this platform, and I think Canadians are far better educated than, than Americans. And the hope, whenever I go into a talk to an audience, maybe 200 people, if five people in there suddenly go, oh, wow, that's five people. And you're right. That's, we all do our bit. I'm not Jesus Christ and neither is Les Stroud, but we're, we're these guys that are given various opportunities. And let's hope that there will be among the audience people that will be profoundly influenced. The problem is we don't have time now. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I we've run the, out of time, paradox, yeah. and that's what gives Greta's talks such power. She cuts through all of. Can have you looked at the trolls that have been hitting her? And like, I don't even want to begin. I, I don't can read trolls. It's just I get them, and you get them. I get them. Yeah. I don't read them. It's so vicious. It's so counterproductive because it doesn't deal with the issues. There are attacks on you or whatever you're doing, but not saying, what, are you, what is he saying? She just stays very strong and says, it's not about me. I'm asking you, listen to the science. Listen to the science. That's... That's a great place to end this. Thank you. I, I mean, I, we could do this for two more hours. I want to know, do you, though, give me a last word, just a last word on, on what... <sighs> Damn it. What I should be, what we sh I should be thinking. Well, let me give you the, I used to say I feel like I'm in a car heading at a brick wall. I don't, I don't use that I remember um, it. <laughs> metamo metaphor anymore. I use the cartoon Roadrunner. You know, Roadrunner, the bird, is running along. Wiley Coyote is chasing him, and they come to the edge of a cliff. Roadrunner turns 90 degrees and heads off the other way. Wiley goes right over the edge, and there's that moment when he realizes, oh, my God, he's over the edge. That's where we're at. That's where we're at. We're over the edge. But that's not an excuse not to do anything. In the cartoon, Wiley always falls 500 feet to the bottom of the... But I'm saying it makes a difference whether you fall five feet or 500. And all I'm doing now is accepting we're over the edge. We pass too many constraints. And, but I want to do everything I can to make sure the fall is not as big as it could be. Well, you remain a great inspiration to me. I'm not stopping my fight. I'm trying to focus it exactly. more than anything else. Exactly. Thank you. There was nothing in this podcast that I would feel embarrassed about having said. Not that I said much this time around. It's a truism in my life. I struggle often with how much to use my platform to speak out against the atrocities perpetrated against the planet, against the oceans and the wildlife and the fish. It's not about being right-wing or left-wing. I'm not a political person. I just love nature. I like feeling convicted by people like David Suzuki because it can keep me on track or put me back on track if I'm wavering. I don't always agree with everything he or anyone like him says, not that there are many people like him, but I don't agree with 100% of what anyone in existence says. But at face value, and you've got to take David at face value, he truly wants only three things. That's all. Three little things. Clean water, clean air, and clean soil. And I happen to want those for my grandchildren too. Don't you? Surviving Life with Les Stroud is engineered by Keith Oman, who may one day have grandchildren of his own. Who knows? Anything's possible. 
we are a member of the Apostrophe Podcast Network. Yep, that's it. I'm not even going to riff on them this time. The chat was too serious. And I like serious. Stick around, everyone. We'll figure out life and the planet together. Oh, hang on. One more thing. Okay, well, a couple of things. Please go check out my YouTube channel, Survivor Man Les Stroud, where I not only upload these podcasts, but also hundreds of other videos going up weekly. And try to catch my new series on public television, Les Stroud's Wild Harvest. Lastly, do a Google search for my brand new children's book, Wild Outside, Around the World with Survivor Man. It's for 7 to 12-year-olds, packed with outdoor adventures and activities they can do and tips. I'm on all the usual social media outlets. Come and find me. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 